put paste and delay creates. There's a saying, if you don't know your history, then you are bound to repeat it. While it's a stretch, knowing and understanding successful endurance athletes history might just prove to help you perform better in your life. In this episode, we go into the archives and get to hear how Mike Trees got started in his 50-year-long endurance career. Side note, he just turned 60 years old and can still run a 17-minute 5K. Listen on to find out how to train, race, and live with purpose for as long as possible on this episode of Trees and D-Lake. Don't master a lot, don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none, just be a master of some. What is up? Welcome to Trees and D-Lake, a podcast series by Mike Trees and yours truly, Darren D-Lake Creates. In this series, our goal is to educate and entertain smart and committed runners. A bit more on that from Mike Trees. And the aim of this podcast is to give, in a lighthearted, amusing and entertaining way, hints and tips to help you all run better and enjoy your sporting life more. So let's see how we can go with that. Mike's being pretty modest. He has over 50 years of running and doing triathlons under his belt. And if you're wondering about me, I've been in the endurance sport game for about 25 years now, done a sub three hour marathon and completed an Ironman triathlon in 10 hours. We appreciate all the help and support that we can get. So if you can, please share out this episode to someone that you know that would like this. Oh, quick language warning. In some rare instances, we might use some bad words. So apologies in advance for that. While this podcast is usually telling you how to do something, we wanted to flip the script and shine the light on my interesting co-host, Mike Trees, aka Run.Energy on Instagram. His running and triathlon history could easily read as a great biographical book or play as a fun movie on Netflix. Listen closely as some of the things he's done and hasn't done might help you stay consistent as an endurance athlete well into your 60s, 70s, and even 80s. Some things you'll definitely learn on this episode are where Mike Trees is at right now in his fitness, training, and racing, how he got here and the early beginnings, an awesome story about his first race failure and what he learned from that, and a bunch more. Here's how this episode will unfold. We'll start it off with a quick warm-up to see where we're at in our current training, then get into the core of the episode, which is all about Mike Trees' really fun endurance sports history. And at the end, we'll each answer the fun question, which has no right or wrong answer. Would you rather train on time or run for distance? That's all for me. Let's get into the conversation. Hey, Mike, how's it going? What's going on with your training this week? Well, it's good. You know, I've had this eye operation. I'm all back uh, to normal now. So I'm actually getting back into sea regularly. So I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and at the moment, it's great. There's no jellyfish. The tropical fish are absolutely, it's shoals and shoals of blue, yellow, and stripy fish in the sea. Absolutely amazing. I just love getting lost in the ocean and no watch, no heart rate, no nothing. Just swim and look at the bottom of the sea as I'm swimming along. So having a great time. And what about you? You're, you're a better man than me. Um, there, there's nice water here in Sydney, Australia, uh, much better than New York City where I grew up. But swimming on my own by myself for, you know, an hour, hour and a half. No, no, no. Sharks. I just can't do the shark thing. Um. Yeah, actually, going, going on that, about uh, 50 miles north of here, someone, a surfer did lose a leg to a shark recently. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I always, I always say you can get hit by a bus, a truck. You know, you can be running, riding your bike. So it's, it's, it's actually, it's a higher chance of that happening. You know, getting hit by a bus um, than than getting attacked by a shark. But uh, we won't go there. Again, respect to you. 
what I'm doing. Um, I'm finally in a groove. I had a proper week. I did about 80 kilometers, um, 75% intensity, getting back to the, the volume I need to be, feeling feeling really good, and it's nice. And the next week, moving forward, uh, I'm going to go hard and attempt to do four hard workouts in five days, which is silly, and no one should ever do this. Don't try this at home, uh, as, as some people would say, but uh, I'm going to try to do it, and I've got it mapped out to where I won't hurt myself. Um, I'm going to do 36-hour increments. So, um, and the reason being for that is I'm going to get a vac- my second vaccination and I know I'll have about a week off. So I don't, I want to like, basically I'm doing something you should never do, which is rush my fitness. Um, and I know you shouldn't do that. So don't, don't give me the lecture coach, Mike. I know you shouldn't do that, but, uh, I think, I think I got this. I'm, I'm experienced enough. I think I got this. I could do it. I could do it. <laughs> okay. Let's report back next week. <laughs> All right. Warm up complete. So speaking of experience, speaking of experience and, you know, history, this episode is all about your history. You are a literal history book on endurance training. So rather than give you everything in a 45 minute episode, which would be like fast forwarding through, you know, an amazing 10 part Netflix series, let's actually break it down. And, you know, this, this one will be a bit of an intro about your history, but we'll focus on the, the early days, the, the yesteryear, um, the, the age 10 to like 15, 16 years old. So what we'll do is we'll talk about where you're at now, how you got here, and then go back and kind of explore the past and then where you're going. And and I know that you've got some Ironman goals in, in the, the near future. I'd love to know what your goals are in the next 5, 10, 20 years, but um, we'll get there in a second. So so where are you at now? Like you you are 50, 58, 59, right? Yeah, 59. Yeah. 60 next year. 60 next year. I'm one of these strange people that actually enjoys going up a new age group because it's a new challenge. So I don't, you know, it doesn't upset me getting older. It's just another new challenge. So a lot of people say, oh, I'm getting older, but uh, it, it doesn't bother me. You're 59. I know that about five years ago, you were setting some amazing records. Uh, you're running a 208 or maybe seven years ago, six years ago, you were, you were running a 208, 800. You were doing some really crazy stuff uh, for someone that shouldn't be doing that. And, and tell me a bit more about like what, what makes you wake up every day and want to have your lungs burn when you've been doing that for you know, the last 40, 45 years. And I was discussing this actually with my wife. I think it's because I'm a perfectionist in some ways. I'm not in others. So I can drift along and just keep going. But I've never had that perfect race. It's like there's always something. I, even when I've run really well, she said to me, you know, even when you do really well, you think you could have done better. And I think that's the thing is like on a bad race, obviously, it's easy to say, yes, I could have done better there. But on a good race, I think, no, if I can just get this little right and tweak that, I can go a little bit more. There's a little bit more to give. Uh, and so I just like pushing the uh, the boundaries, see where they are. Uh, and I never made it as, a, as an, an elite to the Olympics. That was my goal as a kid, which we'll discuss that I never got there. But uh, I just keep pushing and thinking, you know, and, and a lot of my friends say, yeah, you just got to outlive everyone. You will set a world record one day, uh, just outlive everyone. And it might be that it's 101 to 105 year olds, but you'll get there. So uh, the aim is to live a long time and eventually get there and set a world record one day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually have a similar, uh, I, I think musicians and artists, they have a similar, it's always, uh, there's a saying, it's uh, my next work is my best work. And, it, you know, every single musician you talk to, you're like, oh, man, that album that you just put out is great. But the problem with the album is that they've been working on it for the past year, two years, five years. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's my old stuff. The new stuff I'm working on right now is going to be even better. better. And like every single, the most accomplished, they can win 40 Grammys. You know, they're always like, no, 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 my new stuff is going to be better. So I just feel like it's a certain personality type of thing. 
let's go back. Let's, let's take a little bit of a time machine and go back to how you stepped up to your first race. What was the, what was the feeling and the emotion? Who, who, who influenced you? Give me, give me a, a backstory if you want okay. on that. We, we need to go uh, one step further back. So my, my mother and father played uh, mixed doubles at Wimbledon. You know, they were amateurs. They got knocked out in the first round. Uh, my father was, uh, he actually went for trial to be the goalie for Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, football team when they were really good. He was a, a cross-country runner. Uh, I never beat my mother and father at table tennis all their lives. So you've got to remember, my father was a PE teacher initially. Uh, I've had sports since I was like, you know, one year old. All I can remember, my, my parents were actually quite disappointed that I didn't pick up badminton, tennis, table tennis, uh, and dancing like they did, uh, and all the sports they did. Uh, and they were forever trying to get me into sports. Well, actually, I got into running. Uh, by the time I was 10, I'd already been through you know, t- tennis, table tennis, all these judo, swimming, you know, a couple of times a week and, and not really getting anywhere. My sister was a very shy girl, but phenomenally talented. And she wanted someone to go to the running club with her. Obviously, she's a girl. One of her friends wanted to go to the local running club. So I got dragged in uh, and my sister went there and did hundreds to 200 sprints. And I went there supposedly to run. Uh, and initially, I found it was more fun just jumping up and down in the high jump and doing long jump and playing around. Uh, and I didn't do a lot of training in the early days, but I got into this habit of going to the running club from actually the age of nine, it was nine and a half in the summer. Uh, and so that's when I started running. Uh, and my sister obviously moved on. She, she found it very hard. She was so competitive. She couldn't compete after a while because she couldn't lose. Uh, and I think I was less competitive. Uh, and I was quite happy losing, uh, <laughs> so obviously didn't want to, but I just accepted it. So my first race at the age of nine and a half, uh, 800 meters. Uh, and I remember it to this day. Uh, I was 200 meters behind Andrew Lawrence, who was the uh, national champion at the time, just happened to be in our running club. So he ran around in about, he was a couple, few, few years older than me. I think he ran about 204 and I think I did 240. Uh, so about 30 seconds behind flat last, absolutely last. So from then on, okay, let's try and get work up the ranks to second last and see where we can go from here. So uh, I wasn't a natural talent at running where I thought I'm going to win everything. Uh, I was definitely making up the numbers. And in those days, you didn't run for fun. There was no fun running and, oh, I'm a jogger. I'm going to enter this fun run or whatever. It was just you either ran and you tried to win or you didn't run. End of story. (laughs) I I love that you, first off, you ran a 240 as a as, as an, a nine-year-old, that's that's pretty amazing. Um, was, were you nine when you ran a two forty eight hundred? Yeah, yeah, nine and a half. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a lot of talent. But there. I was just con- I was convinced. I was just like I was convinced I was crap. I was last, you know, two forty, and I was like thirty seconds off the winner. It's like whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. When you come last, you feel like you're the worst. But you know, compared to the general population, you're still in the point zero zero one percent of everyone else. Um, I mean, you'd, you'd beat a lot of people at nine years old. You beat a lot of twenty five year old men um, with the two forty. That's <laughs> <laughs> that, that's pretty cool. And I, I love that also, you know, it's fun running didn't become a thing, what, till the jogging revolution in the 70s. So, um, you know, 70s, 80s, maybe that's when, you know, people yeah, yeah, jogging. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the word jogging became a thing. Um, I always tell people, I'm always like, they're like, oh, you're going for a jog? I'm like, no, I'm going for a run. I don't jog like jogging, you know, I just just be a jerk um, <laughs> with all that. But um, yeah, so so you, you did you did that first race and you came dead last and you said, okay. I want to get better. How do I get better? 
Tell me what got you from there to then, I don't know, 11, 12. I actually don't know the what, what, what were the steps that got you from that race until really competitive and starting to win and starting to see, hey, I'm really talented, you know, at 15, 16 years old. Give me more of that, that timeline. Now, I, I ran maybe two, three times a week then. Uh, and uh, I just enjoyed going the running. And I, uh, by the time I was 10, 11, 12, we were in the Northeast road races. I was getting, you know, top 30s. There was maybe 150 in each race of kids, similar age. Uh, and that was about it. Uh, and the, I was really lucky. There's a, a, a local coach, Miles Brown, he was called. His son was a runner. And he, he helped me, took me running and went on courses and things. Uh, and I wasn't training that much. And it was around about 14, 15, he said, you know, you're going to have to start training every day or maybe doing some double runs and things. Uh, and around 15, I sort of accepted, yeah. And then I, I it was about 15, I suddenly thought, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to train. And I actually did a period over the winter when I was running uh, half an hour runs, just four miles, uh, or about six kilometers every morning, and then doing the, the sessions on the evening. Uh, and the first cross country race of that season, I came out and <laughs> it was more fluke than anything. I think I needed the confidence. I'd normally been coming, you know, 10 to 20th by this time. I'd moved up a little bit from the, the 30s and I was somewhere between 10 to 20th in these Northeast races. Uh, and I misjudged the finish. So I started sprinting through the woods, came out the woods. And then they said, yeah, one more lap round there through the trees to get the finish. Oh, <laughs> bugger me. So I just kept on going and actually held it and kept on reasoning. I realized I keep going and came third in this race. And that then gave me the confidence. And I think it was a confidence thing. How hard can I hold this pain for? How much can I do it? And, and as a kid, I, I wasn't a mature kid. I was an immature kid. I grew up later. You know, I was always a little bit behind on my studies relative to the kids around me. Uh, and so... I just think I just progressed as a runner a little bit later than everyone else. Uh, and so it's about 15, 16 that I, I started to get in the top three in the northeast of the UK in, in road races regularly. Still never won anything. You know, it was still, you know, Steve Cram, who was world champion, world record holder at the mile, Olympic, you know, medalist. You know, the, these guys, top, top guys that were winning everything. Uh, and you just didn't realize just the level uh, of running that was in the northeast of the UK at that time. So... Although I was getting top three and thinking, well, it's okay in the northeast of England, we we're actually pretty much up there with the best in the world. I just didn't realize it at the time. That's a great story. Uh, and, you know, obviously I'm learning more and more about you as much as, you know, we do know each other. There's always, it's, it's an onion. There's, there's a million layers to every person. <laughs> we only see what we could see on the outside. Uh, and and that's, that's amazing that you accidentally, it was, a, it was a failure that caused you to, to gain confidence. I never thought about that. And that's amazing. You accidentally went out too hard and then you actually held it and you said, I can hold this burning. I thought I was sprinting. Feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was sprinting to finish like 200 meters and actually it was about 600 to 700 meters. And as a kid, 16 year old, the races are only around about three miles long anyway. So it's still a, a big percentage of the race. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I kept it going. It, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's an interesting way of finding out that you can, you could tolerate pain and, and lactate buildup. <laughs> Add break. This episode is brought to you by Energy Coaching, which is Mike Tree's coaching service. Mike and his team of coaches work with beginners to pros and all levels in between. No one is too fast and no one is too slow. They just want a desire to learn and improve. They focus on 1500 meter races to marathon running and triathlon training. 
Energy coaching is constantly overbooked. So Instagram and this new podcast venture, Trees and D Lake, gives Mike and the rest of his energy coaching team a way to reach out to more people and help them. Contact Mike and his team at the letters nrg-coaching.com or go to the link in the show notes. And back to the show. Are there any more failures that, that you had in a young age that, that you'd say that you're using now? So I actually did quite well at 16. That, after that winter, I got on the track and at 16, I ran 4.05 for a 1500 meters, which is a, a good time for a 16 year old. Uh, and it got me recognized as a, as a runner. So I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to step it up and up. And then the following winter, I did the English schools cross country. I was a year young and being a year younger than the others, it's you know, a disadvantage. And I think I came uh, 13th uh, that year. So 13th in the country, I thought, this is it. I'm now on my way towards becoming a runner. And then I got glandular fever, which it didn't really make me ill for long. And I, to be honest, I wasn't out. But I, it took me two years really to get the running sorted. So the following year from coming 11th or 12th, you know, top, you know, anyway, top 15, uh, my memory's gone, but top 15 in English school, the following year I did the uh, national cross country championships uh, and I came around about 350th. Well, for a serious runner, I was being overtaken by guys in their football shorts and uh, their soccer boots who were being forced to run there by their school. They didn't want to be there. And I was running around thinking, whoa, I'm going nowhere here. Uh, and uh, I then changed and said, okay, from now on, I'm not going to run to win. Obviously, I'm trying so hard and not winning. I'm just going to enjoy running. Uh, and for about a year or so, I didn't really run very hard. I didn't run much. Uh, and uh, I just drifted a little bit and just kept running and enjoying it and uh, and doing lots of other things, having a really good social life. I mean, I was so, you know, socialized a little bit too much. But I just kept doing just enough running until the body came around. So I, I think naturally these things have worked to help me and I've learned from them that you don't force it, you don't fight things. Uh, and then when I got to university, uh, I just turned up at the, I missed a lot of the early running, but I just went running with them one day uh, and realized I could keep up with the guys. Uh, and the, the coach at the time said, hey, why don't you join us? Why don't you run with us? You, you're quite talented. All right, I'm going to stop you there because the story is getting good. You are at university now. We're going to stop that. We're going to sa save for the next, the next uh, episode in this, this series of the Mike Trees history. Um, let, let's let's kind of go. Let's, we're taking the time machine back to the present. And you've got Ironman set on your goals now. Uh, one of your goals. What else is on the horizon? And, and I know we'll, we'll probably go deep on Ironman at some point. But uh, what's the goal with Ironman? And, and how has all of that stuff that you did in the past, like, like led up to where you are? Big question. Okay, so Ironman 60. The reason I'm doing it is I actually did an Ironman back in 1994. Uh, and I said, I'm going to do an Ironman. I'm not a long distance athlete, but I'm a triathlete. I'm going to aim to get under nine hours. When I do nine hours, you know, I'll move on to other things. Well, I was very lucky. I did sub nine hours, my first ever Ironman. So 27 years later, I haven't done another Ironman. I did the target I said I was going to do, and I moved on. Uh, and I said, I qualified as a pro for Hawaii uh, at that time. And I think it was the British record as well. I think I was the first Brit to go under nine hours or something. But I, I qualified for Hawaii. 
uh, and I didn't take it. And I thought, that's okay, I can go to Hawaii anytime. Well, little did I know, it actually get, got more and more difficult, and it's not that easy to go to Hawaii. So push the clock forward to now, I was about a year or two ago, I just thought, you know what? Coming up to 60, it's about time that I've triathlons my life. I've made my whole living out of it. I've been a professional triathlete. I coach triathletes. I write about triathlon training and running training as well. Do a lot of, of that. It's been my life. Uh, I've coached, you know, Olympic athletes and I've not been to Hawaii, to Kona as an athlete. I've been there and watched, but I've not raced. So I thought, you know what? 60 is a good time. Uh, let's go to Hawaii. So first of all, I now have to qualify uh and it's, it's not that easy then qualify and then see how we can go is that good for a start yeah that's that's phenomenal i i yeah. i'm like sitting here on the seat of my chair and you know, the, the, the the tip of my chair and i'm like what's what's gonna happen next so and i'm like oh well we, we, we need to wait and see yeah only one thing you're talking about you know going back to the my my old uh, uh you know when i started coming back that when i was younger uh carlos lopez won the marathon at the age of 37 uh and uh I think he set the world record at the same time in the Los Angeles Olympics, and he just won the uh, you know ten thousand. Uh, and he was thirty seven, and I looked and I thought, oh, there's hope for me, you know, because I was you know I was still young, but I kept thinking. Initially, the plan was to run a marathon at twenty eight, and I realised you know that's still not going to happen. You know, I was in my twenties around this time, and I'm, I'm still not getting there to where I wanted to be. And I thought, wow, I've still got till forty to go, and I think that's what keeps me going. I, I kept thinking I can survive longer and longer, and so as a kid, I was always looking up to older people running and thinking, how long have I got to get there? How long have I got to get there? Uh, and, and even now, you know, it's like, I still think like that. Yeah, I can still move the barriers back a little bit. And it, it just gives you something to get out of bed each day uh, and, and knowing there's another goal. So yeah, for all those people that are saying they're getting older, there's, there's no upper limit. There's always a new barrier. There's always a new goal. Doesn't matter how old you are, uh, you can work towards. Mindset finished. Let's move into the cool down. All right, we're at that last section of the podcast where we ask a question to our audience. And at the same time, we will be, uh, well, around the same time the podcast gets released, we'll be posting this on our Instagram stories or as a you know regular post, depends where it is. So it should be fun. There is no right or wrong answer, kind of, uh, <laughs> asterisk next to that. But uh, we'd love to hear what you, what you all think, but we're going to give you our opinion first. And the question is, would you rather train on time or distance? So that is, again, to, to define it, because it might be a bit confusing for some people, you know, going out for an hour run, as an example, or going out for a 12 kilometer or seven mile run? Uh, how, how do you track and, and use your training and what, you know, what metric do you use? So again, would you rather train on time or distance? Mike. So when I was younger, I got caught up in the distance uh, dilemma and uh, I've got to run 70 miles a week. I've got to run 80 miles a week. Oh, the elites are doing 100 miles a week. I've got to run 100 miles a week. And I did a lot of junk just to hit the numbers. Uh, and it was really not until I started triathlon in about 1987 that I realized that all that was totally wrong. The heart only knows how long it's beat, how much it's beating and for how long. So I switched everything on the head uh, because I realized that uh, a 5K swim is a long way. And it takes a long time. A 5K bike ride is a waste of time in terms of a training session. So you can't compare distances between the sports. And that just got me thinking, why do we just do everything in time? It's so much more efficient. 
that the body understands time. You've got the natural body clock, the rhythms, the cycle, everything else. And so I work with my athletes on, for example, they might be doing a six-hour training week or a 10-hour training week. Uh, an elite guy preparing for Ironman might be doing a 20-hour training week. Uh, and we work on hours. And so, yes, I'm big into hours. There are certain times that uh, you need to delve into the, the distance. If you're doing the 5K time trial, you can't say, hey, go and run 20 minutes. Uh, I say, look, go warm up, cool down. The whole session is going to take you about an hour, but do a 5K time trial in the middle, see where you get to. So sometimes you need to do distance, but as a general rule, it's time. How about you? Where are you coming from? You, you know, like we're, we're kind of like, you know, cut from the same cloth. I, I'll say time, but my, I guess my, my reason why is, is different than yours for, for many reasons. I'm not as experienced as you, but, um, it, it was, here's a fun story. So I remember riding and I just got into cycling. It was 2011, right? And you know, whenever you listen to this podcast, you're like, whatever, it doesn't matter. But uh, it was a few years, it was like two, three years after I got into like proper road cycling. And I was like, you know, and, and that was two or three years after I got into proper endurance running. I ran, Back at uh, back at university college, I ran track. Um, I ran the 400, 800, and you know I was like, oh, once you basically out of college, you can't do the 400, 800 unless you want to do master stuff. Like there's no 400 down the road park run. So it was basically the fun 5k runs, and I remember like doing that, and I was like, oh, this is cool. So I kept graduating, graduating, um, and then I got into cycling, and I was like, oh man, I could ride my bike everywhere. I lived in the city. I lived in Baltimore City, and it's such a good city to ride in, um, small city. So I got into that, and I remember uh, then going for a long ride, and I was, you know, I had this junk bike, and I just remember love going out for the, you know, two hour, three hour long rides up in the country, and there was this like cyclist who had a really nice bike, and we ended up kind of going at the same pace and talking. I was like, oh, how far are you going? And she said, oh, just a three-hour ride today. My coach prescribed that 140 heart rate. And I went, oh, my God. I was like, that's, I was like, that's what elites do? Like, and that, I said that to myself. I was like, I want to be elite. I want to be like a pro. So I then started Googling and just realizing time is the way that all the pros measure everything. And I was like, I'm going to be – I love training like a pro. You know, My whole thing is like I want to I be this sub-elite uh, you know, almost pro, not really pro. And I then realized through, you know, falling in love with that concept and that theory that that actually makes way more sense. And so many people still, they just like, they go, oh, how far did you run? And I'm like, an hour. And they're kind of like, how far? And I'm like, I know you want that, but I don't care. Like, I look, every time I'm done, oh, I'm an hour. I'm like, cool, 13Ks or 10Ks or whatever. Like, it depends on the quality. So my whole thing is time allows you to to train based on quality. And then I can then break an hour long run, an hour long, you know, long run, sorry, an hour long run can now turn into 20 minutes easy, 20 minutes steady, 20 minutes easy, or 20 minutes steady, 20 minute threshold, threshold tempo work 20. So I then can now base it on and I'm not worried about distance. And I think the distance, it's just, I personally think, you know, no disrespect to anyone that, that trains on distance and loves distance, but it, it it's almost just one of those things like it's, it's another notch in your belt. It's another, you know, but I feel like you could do the same with hours where it's like, you know, but no, it doesn't sound as cool. Like I trained eight hours this week versus seven and a half last week. People are like, well, how, how far did you run? Like, give me, you know, did you run a hundred Ks? Did you hit the hundred K mark or did you hit a hundred mile mark for a week? So, um, that's my whole thing. But I, I also am like you where I then do distance as I get closer to 
events. So if I'm training for, I don't do marathons, but if I'm training for whatever, a half marathon, I then know that I need to get a, I want to get, if I'm training for a half marathon, I want to do 15 Ks at half marathon race pace two to three weeks out from a marathon. That That's when I go just totally, but I know that, okay, if I'm doing race pace, you know, 350 minutes per K, you know, times 15 Ks times four, like I could do the math from there and know about times also. So I then I'm, I'm kind of doing both, but it, it becomes very specific. Or if I'm doing 5K, I want to do, you know, I'm training for 5K, I want to do 1K specific reps. So I definitely... Time, 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 95% of time. And it just, it's pro. I think it's just cool. So I don't know. You're, you're, the, you're the pro. What, what do you think about thinking it's pro? <laughs> Actually, what well, I, I just like uh, being argumentative, something awkward. So I went out and did a 40K run uh, the other day. Uh, and they said, well, you could have done 42.2 and had a marathon. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's why I didn't. <laughs> it's like, I just, I was testing my shoes out. I did 10. 10k in one and why did you stop and i said well i was testing the shoes out so i had to change the shoes so 10k in one pair 10k in another 10k came to 40k i don't need to run 42k so i can do 42k so it was a 40k run maybe i'll go out the next time and run a 43k run <laughs> let's go welcome to the show i'm your host aaron so aka d lake tips and tactics you could train like a pro, pro. This cast to help you and faster than you could go. All the PRs you could beat, of course, records that comes in your upcoming season. Right? Don't you agree? Endurance sports, a metaphor for life. That's that metaphor, baby. Eating clean so you can rest and sleep all night. Don't master a lot, don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none. Just be, just be a master of some. Is the health and fitness internet too much sometimes? Too many conflicting articles and videos that confuse you on how to train and eat right? Or you don't have time to just read and watch everything about, I don't know, the new trends on carb cycling for trail running. Don't worry, we'll take care of all that for you. Sign up for our free email newsletter, Three Thing Thursday. We'll put three perfectly curated and created things in your inbox for better living and training. Go to delatecreates.com slash TTT. We do the hard, time-consuming work and scour the health and fitness internet's deepest and darkest corners. This is so that every Thursday, you have a piping hot new email with the latest and coolest tips, tricks, tools, tactics, and skills, all so that you can train and live consistently to do dope shit in your next endurance event. If you sign up now, you can receive my quick guide on how to get healthy, stay fit, and use data to create habits that last a lifetime. That's delatecreates.com slash TTT to be inspired and motivated on the regular. Time. Time is a resource no one can make more of, so we appreciate you taking precious time out of your day to listen this far. Our goal is to show the world how to live better through running, cycling, and triathlon. The episode and many others have a transcription. Go to the show notes description to find out more. This was produced in Sydney, Australia, and I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land. I pay my respects to the elders, past, present, and future. I recognize their continuing connection to the land, waters, and culture. These lands were stolen and sovereignty was never ceded. If you like this episode, again, we'd highly appreciate it if you go on whatever app you listen to and make sure to follow d Creates Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Acast, and a bunch of others. And if you're feeling real loose, a rating, review, or share of this episode to anyone you know that would be into something like this would be amazing. If you have any questions, concerns, suggestions for the episode, or hell, you want to be on the show, hit us up. The best way is to email talk, T-A-L-K, at dlakecreates.com 
We're also on the socials, mainly Instagram. You can hit up Mike Trees at the letters run.nrg. Or you can hit me up on Instagram at dlakecreates.com. Or just wherever you can find us is fine. If you need any transcripts, you're into podcasting, or let's say you just are big into accessibility, please use the company that we use, SpeechDocs. You can check them out at speechdocs.com. Don't worry if you didn't get all that. There's a link in the show notes description. Thank you again so much for listening. Peace.